Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. All the co-hosts are outside in their cages or laying in the tall grass. That would be chilly. Birds are in the cages. So, um, fun episode this week. Of course, I think that every week. Um, what else is new? Video. Uh, Expedition Alaska is out on Amazon Prime. You can watch that. It's a lot of fun to see everybody that's there. Um, and, uh, you know, say, oh, I know that person. And I know that person. Oh, I know. Who's that? Anyway, also this week, um, the 2014 and 2016 Maya Mountain Adventures are on. Uh, a network. <laughs> I'll see if I can find the link and I'll post that. Um, but if you have a lot of services like Dish or DirecTV or something like that, you can use your subscription to watch it online. So um, you can can find it. So I'll put that link. And remember, you can always go to my YouTube channel and or Vimeo. And there's a bunch of stuff out there of mine. Some of it's even pretty good. So... Um, Hey, it's the middle of summer. Don't you want to be inside watching video? Anyway, uh, let's get this uh, show on the road. So go fast, take chances, and thanks for listening. Bye. Hello? Emily, is that you? Yeah. That's, that's me. <laughs> hey, Randy. That's, hey, how are you guys doing? Not too bad. Good. All right, so... T- so I'm going to start. We're not starting at adventure racing. So how many volunteers per versus racers are there at the Mount Baker Ultra Marathon? <laughs> one to one, maybe two to one. Maybe two, maybe two to one. Yeah. Um, there were maybe I think about 25 racers, and there were close to that many people up on the glacier section alone and there were three more aid stations below that that were also staffed so probably That's, two to one yeah quite the deal um i guess I've, i i kind of like to know about that race a little bit i was looking at the pictures and stuff and i was like wow that looks really cool so what was it were you guys up there setting ropes or what was your role in this mess <laughs> We were um, at aid station six, which is the one right below the summit of Sherman Peak. Um, so we manned that aid station, but also helped with placing like the ropes, getting them up the mountain from aid station um, five up to aid station six. And then um, the summit down had been done the day before. And then we, after the last, the, the cutoff happened on Sunday. We carried, well, we pulled pickets and then carried ropes down. So we were basically placing, help placing, pulling, and then we were in aid station and like medical support if someone got hurt. Yeah. So, no, yeah, normally the, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I was going to say, normally there's um, snowmobile support for the race. Mm hmm. But uh, this year it was a bit of a low snow year, and then it's been a, a really um, warm spring. So um, the snowmobiles weren't able to get in. Um, luckily, before the snow melted out too much, they were able to get the ropes up to um, 8,500 feet on the glacier and cache the ropes up there. So we didn't have to haul everything up there, but uh, the summit's over 10,000 feet, so we still had to haul some rope up from there and hauled some of the ropes downhill. And we had, I think, 3,100 meter ropes. Wow, that's, um, that's what I was going to ask. How many? And that's, that's a lot of ropes, and they're they're not light. Like two miles to six miles. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot, um, <laughs> but um, it went really smooth. Um, 
this is the third year that the official race has happened. Um, originally, well, the goal is to have it go from the Bellingham Bay to the summit of Baker mm-hmm. and back. But the, I mean, there's a few different issues with that, but um, like the summit of Baker is actually in wilderness area. So you can't have like more than, what is it, 12 people in a group up there at a time or something. So you couldn't, mm-hmm. they couldn't get permits for the summit. That's why it's almost, peak. almost impossible. Yeah. Get, yeah. Not, technically not impossible, but almost impossible to get yeah. permits for that. Yeah. But German Peak is just on the other side of the crater from the main peak. And hardly anyone goes there because it's about, I think about 500 feet lower than the, the main summit, five or 600 feet lower. But it's a lot cooler summit. It's a cool um, narrow ridge that you go up to the top, and it's got 360 degree views. Um, when you're on the main summit, it's so massive that you can really only see off one side of it at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty cool turnaround point for the race. Uh, and it's in a recreation area, so um, it's not as difficult to put a race on uh, and get permits for it. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. Well, sounds cool. So, um, and did I read somewhere that this has been like an unofficial race for a number of years? Yeah, I mean, it originally... Or, or, or no, it, you're, you can't answer that. <laughs> Statue well, we of didn't race, Yeah, we... Well, there's been a group the past, I think, in 2014 or 13. Dusty was a part of the first group. To, there was four guys, the guy mm-hmm. that organized the whole thing, and then three other runners, and they were the first four to attempt a, like, in recent years, just like running on foot from touching the bay to the summit of Baker and back. And the first, that year that they went, they were foiled by weather. The second year, another attempt was made with a bigger group. And I was in that group and we didn't make it because of weather. And then the third year, um, they made it to the summit and back, um, the, for the first time. There were three guys that did it, um, or that was that second. There was a second attempt one year, and that's when they made it all the way. And then the mm-hmm. next two years, groups, both groups made it on foot to the summit and back without any weather problems or whatever. And then now it's it's a the race is not from the bay to the summit and back. It's because of the logistical things. Yeah. So it's from concrete to the summit of Sherman and back. To concrete, but the original marathon. The race was... goes back to 1911, actually, um, and I, I think it was only held for three years. But um, Mount Baker hadn't been climbed by that many parties at that point. Um, I mean, I think a fair number of people had climbed it, but um, not not a ton. And I think the first race. Um, started as kind of a dispute out of um, which route to the summit was faster. So um, in the original race, um, I can't remember how many runners there were, but there were only a handful, and they had a choice of which route to take, and they started in Bellingham. And um, you could either, um, to to hit one route, you had to take a train out towards uh, the town of Glacier. And the other route, you'd take a car. So each racer going that way had a driver. Um, And um, they started at the same time. Um, The train took off, and all the cars took off, and then they climbed different sides of the mountain, tagged the summit, and then tried to be the first one back. and uh, the guy that reached the summit first, actually, um, he took the train route. Um, and then the deal with the train is the first person 
back to the train, the train would wait, I think, one more minute, and if no other racer showed up, it would take off with the the leader on that route. And he'd reached the summit first and was on pace to win, but the train came around a corner and there's a gigantic bull standing in the tracks and hit it and it derailed the train. <laughs> um, and then they, they got him a horse to ride the rest of the way back, but he lost the race because of that. Um, so it's kind of a crazy story. But after yeah. three years, the race was canceled. Um, someone fell in a crevasse. I don't, I don't think they died, but... Um, you realized yeah. it was maybe a little more dangerous than they originally thought? Yeah, it's a big mountain, and they didn't have all the modern safety equipment that we have now. Um, and then, um, yeah, the race was never held again. And then I want to say it was maybe in the 70s or so, they started the ski-to-sea race uh, in honor of that race, uh, and that's a relay race that starts up at Mount Baker and finishes in Bellingham. Um, and it's got seven different stages to it. Um, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, running, road biking, canoeing, uh, cyclocross, uh, biking, and then kayaking. Um, and that's been running for a number of years. Um, but then a friend of ours, Dan Probst, a local ultra runner, wanted to recreate um, the original race as much as as he could in the form of the ultra so that's kind of the story of how that race came to be that's kind of cool i'm assuming that they ran out of alcohol after three years and that's they sobered up and that's why they quit doing it yeah Yeah. that could be part of it too (laughs) (laughs) so um where was that oh oh all right um adventure racing uh congratulations um it's kind of weird. I was Thank thinking you. about it. It's like it hasn't been that long ago that Expedition Orion got over. Does it does it seem like it just happened, or do you have a little distance from the race yet? Feels like it was last year. Really? To me. Yeah. yeah. Is that we've been you, pretty you, busy the last month? So yeah, feels like it's been a, a long time. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why we're, we're six weeks away and finally getting to talk to you. Yeah, we've been, I've been gone, you've been busy, so yeah. thanks for taking the time. I should say that more often to people, maybe. <laughs> but um, so, uh, vindication this year after last year? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. let, let's let's do the thumbnail. All right, so obviously you guys won the race this year, but let's go back a year and let's just, like, go through the last 12 hours of the race. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the race, let's see. Um, we were on the bike. We were show. on the biggest biking stage, and um, we were – 12 hours would have been early morning and we were climbing up that single track and we stayed, we stopped at, um, there was a CP in that little, um, skiers hut and we stopped there to get the CP and Mary was like, okay, let's all stop for like five minutes and just take a break. And then, so we stopped for five minutes. At this point we were, we had passed, um, the lucky team, Mm -hmm. um, that yeah, night. we leapfrogged them a bit in the middle of that, the second night of racing. Um, but we'd gotten back ahead of them. Uh, all the top teams were running on very little or no sweep. Uh, no one slept the first night, and we had stopped for 30 minutes of sleep on the second night. Um, just since we were hoping to finish early afternoon, um, the finish line just felt so close. Um, Mm -hmm. And all the other lead teams did the same thing. And I think that lack of sleep was ultimately what 
did us in a bit because um, we were exhausted but still moving along at a good pace. And then um, on one particular climb, it was the final climb of that stage, um, I went from being totally uh, aware and, and able to read the map just fine and knew exactly where we were. And then one minute later, I could no longer make sense of the map. Uh, I could look at it and I could see and recognize places we'd been, but I had no idea how to figure out where we were. And it felt to me like we were, like we'd finished the race and I was dreaming about the race. Um, so uh, at that point, I told the team, well, he told me first, he's like, Emily, I don't know where we are. And I was just like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like scorching hot because the sun is, is like, I don't know, late morning. It was getting so hot. We were just we were up high earlier, so it was cold. And we'd gotten mm-hmm. really cold that night before. Um, but then the sun came up, started getting really hot. We were just trying to push, and so we were we ran out of water, and like Dusty was still in his winter tights, like black tights and long sleeves, and we were in the scorching heat, and we ran out of water, so it was really bad, and no sleep, so it was a really bad combination, and I think that's really what did especially Dusty in because he had been focusing on the map so much the whole time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Heinz, gosh, why didn't we say like, Dusty, take those tights off, take the long sleeve off, you know, let's find water, you know? None of us were thinking very clearly. Um, I was able to keep turning the pedals fine. I mean, I was tired. Um, but mentally, uh, I wasn't able to navigate anymore. So, um, so it was all up to Mitch at that point. And, um, Mitch is a good navigator. Um, but he'd been really feeling the pace, uh, as well. And he hadn't been following along, um, super close, um, so he wasn't uh, really adjusted to the scale of the map. And um, there were a lot of trails that weren't marked on the map. So um, it was just a really tricky section. And all of a sudden, that role of the main nav was just thrust upon him as he's really working hard, like we all were, to keep this pace. And I was no help to him at all. So we um, pretty quickly lost the hour lead that we had um, getting down to the Deschutes River. And then we just had a short paddle there. And then uh, I think the final bike ride to the finish from there was... 45 um, minutes to an hour. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't very long. But um, we hit the river and we weren't that far behind first, but... We just, we needed to take a minute, uh, especially me, sit down by the river, cool off a little bit. Um, it wasn't, even though we were really close to um, like the lucky um, Swedish team, um, we we knew that we needed to take a little break and couldn't just take off right after them. Um and then we ended up tying with the um, Bend Race in Canada team, um, but they had a 30-minute time credit since one of the ropes uh, earlier in the race had been damaged, and they were held uh, while they replaced the rope. Okay. So we crossed the finish line at the same time as them, but they had that time credit, so we ended up third. Yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of things going on there, but I think for me it was the lack of sleep um, more than anything. Yeah, well, it sounds like you were dehydrated. 
Yeah. Yeah. So a little while. Were you, um, by the time you got to the river or out of the river, were you, were you able to recognize that you needed to take a break or did the rest of the team have to talk you into it? From what I remember, <laughs> that I mean, probably answers the question. <laughs> yeah, I remember feeling like I really needed a break. Just, yeah. I think we all agreed. Like Dusty, you go sit, put your feet in the river, get in the shade. We'll get like um, Mary and Mitch started getting the paddle stuff out, and then I like ran stuff over to Dusty for him to eat and drink. And then would go help with the paddle stuff again. Um, I think it was a team slash dusty, like, you know, you know, take a break decision. Because yeah. um, we were, the rest of us were still running around getting stuff ready while Dusty was taking a break in the water. So, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you, call. yeah. Yeah, that you guys knew he needed it, but it sounds kind of like he knew he needed it too. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, our whole team was pretty messed up too. I was the worst. But even after we left that transition, all we had to do was run upstream a little ways, uh, get on the river, and then paddle down and, and run one rapid. It was, but it was a good size one, a big eddy. Um, I think it's like a class three or three plus. Uh, but there was an option to portage it, and none of us were thinking very clearly because we got out way too far upstream to to scout it, and then we just wasted a ton of time deciding if we should run it or not. If if any of us had been in our right minds, we would have just made the decision to either run it or, if not, to immediately start portaging, but instead... Yeah. We were just wandering around, looking at it, debating for a long time, and just we were not in a good place there. Um, and that allowed the the bend racing team to catch up to us. Yeah. So, um, I'm not sure how I'm asking this question, but having been in that experience where you knew you spent a bunch of time not making a decision – is it in your head now to when that happens just make a decision whatever it is but will you be in your right mind to be able to make that decision <laughs> you, you, you sort of understand what i'm saying so did we learn that, a lesson yeah yeah <laughs> obviously you learned a lesson but do you think you'll be able to um use the lesson next time this happens or will you just be like out of it and wander around again well, I'd hope we'd make a better yeah. choice next time. Nice. And, I mean, even at the end of the race this year, we I was having flashbacks of the race last year because we were going through Bend on that river trail. Um, and I we started going up a hill kind of in the wrong direction, I felt, from the finish. And I started having flashbacks of like, oh my gosh, we're going to do it again. We're going to get stuck out here for an hour. And I was like, no guys, this isn't right. Like, I know this is the wrong direction. We don't go uphill this much. I drove, I happened to drive along that road um, the night or the night before the race to get dinner. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew where we were Yeah. Um, and what the trail, where the trail was, you know. This was so, after the final checkpoint, and the the standings were determined at the final checkpoint. Yeah, because they didn't want teams racing through Bend. So at this point, we were already done. We were just trying to get to the actual finish line. Yeah, but I still so, have flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't really matter. But at the same time, we were ready to fumbling around yeah. a bit. Yeah. So at that point, it was kind of like, wait, let's stop. Let's think about this, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. I felt like because of our experience last year, I wanted to say something and made sure I did. 
and just said, hey, let's double check. Because um, even though the race is over, technically, I don't want to be stuck out here for an hour within, like, you know, half a mile to the finish. So. Finish line, yeah. So I think the takeaway is lesson learned. So, I mean, my, my always go-to is of literally watching a team talk, argue for 45 minutes whether they should take a 15-minute break. So, yeah. That, uh, um, all right, let's let's go to happier times. Let's go to this year. So you must have been um, really hard up to get those two new teammates you had. I mean, who'd want to race with, with Chad and Jason, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> how how did uh, no, how did you guys were... find them? Um. So yeah, we were intending to do the race with. Uh, Mitch and Scarlett, who are we've raced with them a bunch in the past. Mm-hmm. We actually uh, live in the same house with them, um, but Scarlett got injured, and um, Mitch had a lot going on and wasn't feeling uh, up to racing it. So um, yeah, about a month out, four or five weeks, we were scrambling to find. Um, two teammates so um we have a list of of local people that we um asked first um Mm -hmm. not all of them had adventure race experience but um once that didn't uh find us anyone um we reached out to uh jason magnus um and he recommended um getting in touch with uh jason um Topilski. Topilski, yeah um so we'd raced jason a couple of times but i never really met him mm-hmm. um and we asked him last year to join when we when scarlet got injured last year but he wasn't able to race um with us then and so then that's when we got mary yeah yeah so, so um, he yeah so he agreed to race with us but Jason Magnus hooked us up or reminded us of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then... and then we were having a hard time finding that fourth person. And then I think it was Mitch um, finally put a post on the Adventure Racing Discussion group. No, I think it was um, it was Mitch. Oh, we asked Aaron Rin about it. Um, and then you shared it. And then Chad saw the post that you had shared. And then he got in touch with Mitch, who put him in touch with me, and I talked to him on the phone. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah, well, otherwise, maybe we wouldn't have found him. Man. Um, my, apparently, yeah, my 10%, we, 10% check is still in the mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah. He's a good racer. Never, yeah, yeah, we'd we'd heard of both of them, and he Chad. Um, we asked Aaron Wren. Actually, we tried to get Aaron Wren to race with us because he was going to race with Bones, but then decided not to. And so Matt Hayes took his spot. Mm-hmm. And knowing Aaron Wren's just personality, um, we're like, we should just ask him because he might change his mind. Uh, so we almost convinced him to race as our fourth. Yeah. Um, but told him that Chad had agreed to race if we needed him. And so Aaron was like, yeah, just have Chad do it. And he said, I mean, he said he was a good, you know, solid teammate. He could nav and, uh, you know, that he should, we should reach out to him. So it was helpful to have just some different people saying like, yeah, it would be a good fit for you guys. Um, because we knowing what our goal was to to want to win, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but yeah, we hadn't met them in person until um, like two, two days or three days before the race started. Yeah, which then that brings me to my one of my stock questions: How long was it before you felt like a team? Um. I felt like packing 
Yeah, I think we felt pretty good. Yeah, I mean, when we first met him, it didn't feel like a team. It was like, um, you know, introducing ourselves and trying to kind of to know this person that we know we're going to spend a lot of time with uh, in the next few days. But I think, yeah, once we really started getting into the packing and especially when we received the maps and just started that process, like everyone collaborated really well. Um, We had lots of good conversations about how we want to pack, how we're going to go through transitions and and roles um, like who, like that, agreeing who will be na- main nav, and how you know each person would help out in different stages, and what signs to look for when someone would maybe need a break, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just talking through that stuff and running through the race kind of before it started, um, I felt really confident in the team, and uh, luckily everyone had quite a bit of past experience um but yeah it really started to feel like a team then even though we'd never raced with them before um i was feeling pretty good about it yeah that's kind of interesting because i'm i the general tend trend of what i'm hearing is that people are are starting to feel like that pretty quick quicker than they used to and i have no idea if that's true or if that's just something that I picked up on. But um, so sort of in that vein, was there anything from either of those guys uh, before, during, after the race, kind of a, uh, why are you doing that either in a good way or a bad way? I mean, did did you learn any good or bad habits from those guys? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, that answered yeah. the question. <laughs> yes. No, I know it's kind of a kind of a. I'll bet you there's a lot, but trying to think of something is is the fun part. <laughs> well, the even just packing, um, seeing their systems for even putting different things in different bins. Um, they had the massive ziplocs for all their stuff. We always use smaller ziplocs. And, I mean, we just got introduced last year to the two gallons, which was a big game changer for us. But then they had even bigger Ziplocs. So that was pretty cool to realize they made Ziplocs that big. (laughs) Um, And then just, yeah, looking at how they um, pack their stuff i feel like we do a pretty good job of packing our packs well but um yeah packs how they do bike setup like carrying gear where they have their little dog leashes um what lights they use just different things like that um it's always good to like see how different systems work and um how different systems can work together even if they are different um And yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I guess on the navigation side, um, I have never used uh, a bike computer in the past for races. Um, hmm. And Chad um, had a had a bike computer on his bike. Um, ended up coming in really handy for a few of those bike stages especially when we were in some of the uh, endless mazes of dirt roads um, that for every dirt road marked on our map, we'd find five that weren't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was huge, and he was really used to using that. So um, just um, that helped us get through some tricky spots, I feel like, just knowing exactly how far we'd gone. Um, Interesting. And that's just something that I'd never done before. Um, I guess it depends on the the kind of terrain you're in, whether that'd be helpful, but uh, some of those stages, there was almost zero topography to work with. 
um, and the map just wasn't very accurate. So um, that really helped us stay on top of exactly where we were and not overshoot anything. Um, so that was something I learned. I want to invest in one of those for future races. Yeah, it seems <clears throat> I, I'm literally surprised that you have it. But so you would just use on the bike, just use terrain uh, intersections, just just keep a close eye on the map. Is that your style? Yeah, that's what yeah. I've done in the past. Yeah. Um, but this race especially, it was really helpful. I mean, there were a couple of spots where we just weren't, we knew how far we'd gone and we just weren't seeing the road that was marked on the map. And we didn't know if it was actually there or, or not. Some of the, the areas out there in the high desert, there's just so many random roads all over the yeah. place still. Uh, I mean, at one point, we just, we knew where we were. We just weren't seeing this particular road that we wanted on the map. And we just made a quick decision. Um, you know, we know we're here. We know the checkpoint's that way. You could ride without a road or trail decently. It wasn't super fast, but we just took a bearing and just started riding off trail um, through the desert and ended up getting to where we wanted to go. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know that if it was just me navigating, if I would have made that decision, I'm not totally sure what I would have done, but it was helpful having two other guys that have navigated in big races before and just had different ways of thinking about things and, uh, addressing obstacles like that oh. it, it can that be a hindrance though when you have three good navigators i mean if you have three different ways of doing it that could be a problem also right yeah i think it could be um and before the race um we talked about navigating um and I was a little intimidated because I think both of them probably have more big race experience than I do. Um, both, and they yeah. both have won big races before mm -hmm. and, and have navigated big races. Um, but they both said, you know, this is your guys' team and basically said I should navigate. Um, but then one of them would have a second set of maps out, yeah. but they weren't going to really backseat drive too much. You know, if if it seemed like I was going the wrong way, they'd say something, but they were going to kind of let me do my thing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So we didn't really run into many situations or really any that I can think of where there was a dispute about which way to go or how to navigate a section. There were some tricky spots where I wanted to stop real quick and have a look at the map, all of us together. Um, some of those tricky spots, especially on the bike, uh, especially the final bike, because we, we knew that we had enough of a lead that um, we, we had the race won as long as we didn't blow it huge. So yeah. uh, some of those spots we stopped and had a little quick team discussion about how best to approach a checkpoint. Um, but most of the rest of the race, they just, uh, they wanted me to nav and um, it ended up being a good race for me. So that was good. It wasn't perfect, but um, yeah, we didn't really spend any time like dis on disputes on which way to go. So. Most cool. of those guys are pretty chill and yeah. very sim like just quiet temperament, which is very similar to us. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, Jason Papilski said that he was a little worried about that when we actually all met because 
he was like, none of us are very super strong, like personalities of like, you know, take yeah. charge and that. And so he was yeah. worried like, oh, this is, this could be a problem. But I don't know. It, it went really great. And I think we all communicated well and worked really well together. And, um, the nav and everything went really well. Yeah. Well, no. Here's an interesting question, at least to me. What is the, how is it different when you got four people, like you say, kind of quiet, not a, not a pusher team leader, um, compared to racing with Mary Chandler, who is definitely <laughs> um, an oversized personality who keeps you moving. I mean, how does, how does the, those two race styles compare? They were both fun. I, I mean, <laughs> it was awesome racing with Mary, and I never yeah. felt like she was pushing, like, being overly pushy or whatever, it was yeah. more of just like, oh, like talking about stuff and just saying like, yeah, let's, you know, we should do this. Let's keep doing this and, and this and that and this and that. And just like you could tell, you know, she was on it. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't feel like we went any slower with four quieter personalities because we are all were like, we want to win this race. We all know that. And we all know we're this is where we're going. Um, so I think both worked really well. Yeah. I don't know. Dusty? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Mary is like, you know, standing over you yelling, but she just, she keeps you focused. That's at least what I, what I see from the outside is definitely can keep you focused. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was really good about, um, just, um, I mean, when we go into a transition, laying out how we're going to get through it as fast as possible. I mean, we always talk about transitions as we're getting close to one, about what mm -hmm. we need to remember to do. And But she really took charge of that. And then um, I know she had a bike computer too, and she was paying attention to our our moving speed more than anything on the bike, and kind of using that as a bit of a gauge uh, as to when we need to rest. Um, if our moving speed dropped below what she felt it should be, uh, given the terrain that we were on, um, that's when she'd recommend taking a extra nap, uh, getting some extra food, and um, so she was definitely more like vocal and compute really, like, and what is that calculated on some of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. With Chad and Jason is more of like, we're all pushing our hardest right now and we're going to keep pushing, I guess. There yeah. wasn't any like calculated stuff really. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just go till you needed to stop and then take a little break. Yeah. 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 No. Um, can you hear my, the bird screaming in the background? What is it? <laughs> That's Jimmy the bird. So Paulette and Chili just came home, so Jimmy's all excited in the other room screaming. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, just a couple of things I like, highlights of the race. Um, so at one point, Jason said, yeah, you get done climbing Smith Rock and it's just an easy bike ride home. Do you think that kind of um, lulled people into not paying much attention? Because that was not an easy... Physically, it seemed like it was an easy bike ride, but, man, it was tough navigating. And it was really cold when we were biking. Yeah. We were prepared for it to be still a long ways to the finish. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've done races in Bend before, and it's 
I mean, last year's race is a great example. It doesn't really matter if you're only five or six hours from the finish line. Uh, that can be a really hard five or six hours. Um, but yeah, there was hardly any elevation gain. Um, but it had a bunch of those tricky road sections that I already mm-hmm. mentioned where there was no topography and it was making making your way through a maze of trails uh, and roads, but the map was kind of incomplete because there were so many random yeah. roads. Um, so I know some teams had some trouble there. Um, yeah. So, I don't yeah, know I, if it's because they've been prepared for that or... Um, it was the last day of the race and they were tired. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what did you guys think of the climbing section? We thought it was really cool. Um, yeah. We do a fair bit of climbing um, just for fun. So yeah. uh, it was a skill set that we already had. So that was nice. We were mainly just excited about it and there wasn't a whole lot of stress in preparing for it. Um, but it, it was super cool. We've never climbed at Smith Rock before, so our first time was one o'clock in the morning. Bleeding. Uh, <laughs> we, we couldn't see anything, but in some ways, for me at least, that made it a little easier because I was in my own little bubble up there and I couldn't how high up I was and was able to just move through the route um, with no distractions and because um, that is the most exhausted I've ever been climbing for sure I suppose yeah um, but, but it was really cool to, to have that in the race I would guess you've done enough mountaineering and stuff where you're you're doing a lot of stuff in the mountains after dark that you probably felt fairly comfortable. I did. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it, I was a little scared leaving, like the start. I'm glad I had the little the petzl crawl, like ascender catcher thing. Yeah. Um, just because, like, the first move, I didn't realize how tired my shoulders were until I tried pulling myself up over the first little overhang thing. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is okay. We're climbing now. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah. Body, yeah, this is, this is what we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I felt pretty good walking over to the base of the route. And same thing. I mean, she, Emily led the first um, pitch. And then when I was following her up it, I had the same experience where – I went from feeling great and excited about this to wondering if I can even make the first move off the ground because my arms are so tired. Um, And it was a little bit overhanging just for the first first move or two. It wasn't hard. It just required strength that uh, I didn't really have at the time. Yeah. Um, You didn't you didn't know you didn't have it till you wanted it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then we found it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a cool route. And um I liked how they did it. They had um they had someone at every belay stance mm-hmm. to keep an eye on you and yeah. make sure you were being safe. But they weren't there to tell you how to do stuff. Yeah. Uh they basically said if you were doing something wrong, they'd tell you it. And if you couldn't figure out what it was that you were doing wrong, they said they were going to send us back down to the bottom. So we were happy that we've climbed a lot and have our system um, pretty dialed in. We've done it a lot to where we didn't have to think a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it went pretty smooth for us, and we were able to get done with that in time to sleep a bit before leaving the climb site. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it was really cool having that in the race. Yeah, because you guys had you were basically had a three hour window, so 
Yeah. So there was no reason to hurry through. Um, how hard was counting backwards by threes? That was kind of stressful. We were, <laughs> uh, I mean, we did it okay. We did practice yeah. a bit earlier in the race. I was going to say you guys but, practice while you're on the course. <laughs> yeah. Apparently they took videos of every team doing that test yeah. and everyone passed it, but I haven't seen the videos, but I hear a few of them were pretty funny. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we were up there for, I don't know, six or seven teams, but it's kind of like so cool there where you're free climbing that we never, never made it over to the, to the section to watch anybody try to count backwards. But I mean, I, I do it once in a while, just try it, thinking about it. And sometimes it's like really hard, even by yourself. So yeah, good on yeah. you. Um, so thumbs up or thumbs down on more free climbing and adventure races. Thumbs up. Yeah. Cool. Um, tell me what it's like to try and uh, navigate across a lava field. Um, the navigation itself was pretty easy Yeah, for that section, but picking the route through was, I mean, I guess in some ways it was easy once you realize that no matter which way you pick to go, it's going to be awful <laughs> and slow and everything's going to be loose. Yeah. There was there was no way to get through that without just climbing over seemingly endless sharp rocks that half of them would move when you stepped on them. Um, did, but did, luckily the navigation was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Did it so I was up there a little bit kind of I think before you guys were there cuz then I was down below and actually flying and in just by chance managed to see you guys. How freaky is it when you step on like this, you know, car-sized rock and it moves? It's just like, you know, you expect the little ones to move maybe, but those great big ones really freak me out. Yeah, Yeah, it was, uh, there were a couple moments of like, okay, slow down for a sec, you know. Yeah. Um, pay attention. This is serious. <laughs> Don't want to fall here. Sort of yeah. deal. Yeah. So when you're in situation, okay, this is probably just me, but when I'm in places like that with rocks moving around, do you kind of think about your book deal that you're going to have after you get trapped and then rescued? <laughs> you're what? <laughs> Well, you're going to get trapped under a rock, and then you're going to get a book deal in a movie. I mean, that's what I think about when I'm oh, out there. Oh, yeah. Does, doesn't everybody? <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking about, um, I think Jason um, Jason or Chelsea had talked about the lava before the race and made a comment. I think it was one of them um, made a comment about how um, no team is going to win the race by how fast they move through the lava field. Mm-hmm. But you could definitely lose the race by trying to go too fast yeah. and having someone get hurt or slicing open your pack raft on the sharp rocks. So uh, I was thinking about that a lot, moving through it, because it's... It was mentally taxing going that slow and just having to think so much about every step. Yeah. Uh, that, I, my brain felt more fatigued from that than any other part of the race, even though the navigation was, was easy. Just every single step took so much uh, thought to to get through yeah. there safely without taking a bad fall. So I just yeah. had to slow down a bit and just tell myself, it doesn't matter how slow we go, let's just get to the other side safe. This is a relatively small section of the of the race as a whole. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about a little bit bigger section, pack rafting. The, how much how much of the pack rafting did you enjoy percentage wise? Um I liked I liked most sure, of yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe ninety percent. Okay. So what's getting the on the water. Well no, it's like the first the first like two percent first getting on the water was tough. But then after just like a few minutes of paddling that early in the morning, um we and we had dry suits for the first time. We've never paddled in dry suits before. Um so that was pretty amazing, uh, not being completely frozen. Yeah. Um, and it was just such a beautiful little river section with, like, the sun coming up, and there were birds, and it was really green, and that was really cool. It wasn't the technical stuff yet. It was just really beautiful. And just thinking we get to be out here this early, and a lot of people don't get to do this. Um, and then the actual rapid section, like most of – the rapids, like, were actually pretty fun once we figured out good ways to, like, push off the rock and kind of, like, read where most of the water was. But there were definitely a few sections of just kind of, like, bumping along, running into things uh, over and over with, like, our knees because we kneel hmm. um, for most of the paddling. Yeah. And, well, especially me, I basically kneel the whole time, especially on white water. Um, sometimes on flatter stuff, Dusty will sit on the back, but, um, that would just be the, the 10% that was the 2% at the beginning, just being up so early and expecting yeah. to just be frozen and like freak out because of the white water. And then the other 8% was sections of bashing knees that are already kind of sore and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, you don't need that. Otherwise, it's really cool. It looked fun. I mean, I'm sitting here and in my uh, screen screen is um, Ian Ian Hogg and, and Fletcher paddling uh, along a river that I'm looking at. So, looked fun from where I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a what? fun river. Yeah, it. it I mean. Of course, I never got to see anybody dump, so I'm a little upset. But you know, I'm 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 selfish that way. You should have come out to last year's race. There was one rapid that I think everyone swam in. Yeah. So, and I know there were some. Just I was never in the right place at the right time. Um, what? I know there's not a secret to winning an adventure race, but what's your what was your secret this year? Um, <laughs> man, well, I mean, based on last year, I knew that, uh, I personally wanted to get more sleep this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but the race was also a little bit longer, so that made it, I think, a little easier to commit the more sleep, um, and we ended up being forced to sleep because of the dark zone anyways. Yeah. Um, but, I I mean, I, I think that's really what set us up well for the second half of the race was the fact that we'd gotten at least twice as much sleep, if not more, than the other top teams. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if it was like a secret of our team this year because you know everyone was trying to get that sleep um but i know a big takeaway for me going into future races is um even though we lost the lead that we had by taking that extra sleep um we'd made all of that lead up and then some, like, doubled it, I think, just during the daylight hours of the next day. 
Um, and again, we were forced to sleep because of the dark zone, but I hope that in a future race, um, I can remember that, um, even if we don't have a dark zone and remind myself that, Hey, getting a good chunk of sleep here, uh, even though we might get passed by a team or two, um, it's going to pay off in the long run. Um, so I, I think that extra sleep is really what helped us that second half of the race. Cool. All right. Uh, so that's segues, segues us. I just got a couple more questions. Um, what do you got going for the rest of this year or coming up? Did you got any plans? Um, we kind of decided this year that we just wanted to do one big expedition race. We've done two the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so we don't have a lot of um, super big plans, but we are probably going to have a team at um, Nationals. Um and we're going to do a handful of the local races. Um, for Momar. Yeah, there's a... We kind of have to figure out who's doing what races still because yeah. we have a few other team members. But, um, yeah, there's a big race up in Canada on Vancouver Island that it sells out every year. And I don't know how many people do it, but it's several hundred people. But it's, yeah. it's just an eight-hour race. So we're going to have a team up there. Um, it's the same weekend as nationals. So we'll have some people go up and do that. And some, some people had the nationals. Uh, we'll probably do the 24 hour race in band, which I think is going to be late summer, or early fall this year. Um, but mainly we're just waiting to hear where uh, Worlds is going to be next year, and that'll probably be our next big race. And we're yeah. we're hoping that that will work with our schedules. Um, but we're excited about that. Yeah. So you took away my th- that was going to be my second question. That's like, do you guys get to roll your Worlds qualifier over to next year now? And apparently, you do. That's what we've heard. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be a cool. big jip for all the teams that have qualified this year to not get to go next year. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's been, <laughs> I mean, it's only fair. So there yeah. just may not be, there just may not be very many, you know, wildcard teams that get invited because you're going to have two years of, of uh, qualifiers, but I got no problem with that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so neither do we. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Well, because you guys couldn't go this year, couldn't go this year, right? If yeah, it, it would have been it, tricky. We were yeah. going to try and pull it off, but um, the timing of it was really difficult. Yeah. So, so you're one of the few team, teams that are happy that it, um, it was canceled. Sort of, sort of happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say we're. Happy, just happy, but, but okay. It might work out in our favor. Yeah. yeah, you weren't quite as bummed as some of the others. Maybe is a better way of putting it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks for the time. You know, this is normally the time where I say I got a dog here and we go. Still got to go for a hike, but it's uh, raining really heavy here, so I think we're not going to. <laughs> but. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, letting us know how you won Expedition Oregon, your secret. That's not a secret. <laughs> yeah. Seems like you know. it's a well-known fact. Sleep sleep works. It does. All right. So, all right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks yeah, for thank chatting you. with us. Okay. We'll, uh, I don't know. I'll see you somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Sounds all good. Right. Sometime. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.